The Lord now chose 70 other disciples and sent them on ahead in pairs to visit all the towns and villages he planned to visit later. These were his instructions to them. Plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out more laborers to help you, for the harvest is so plentiful and the workers so few. Go now and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. <clears throat> don't take any money with you or a beggar's bag or even an extra pair of shoes and don't waste time along the way. Whenever you enter a home, give it your blessing. If it is worthy of the blessing, the blessing will stand. If not, the blessing will return to you. When you enter a village, don't shift around from home to home, but stay in one place, eating and drinking without questions whatever is set before you. And don't hesitate to accept hospitality, for the workman is worthy of his wages. If a town welcomes you, follow these two rules. Eat whatever is set before you, heal the sick, and as you heal them say, the kingdom of God is very near you now. But if a town refuses you, go out into the streets and say, we, we wipe the dust of your town from our feet as a public announcement of your doom. Never forget how close you were to the kingdom of God. Then turning to the 12 disciples, he said quietly, how privileged you are to have seen what you have seen. The word of God for the world. I was raised in a small town Pentecostal church, actually named Mount Tabor Free Holiness Church. And a staple of each corporate worship was the testimony service. Someone would actually lead by coming up to the pulpit, giving their testimony, and then encouraging others to stand right where they are in the pew and tell what they had experienced. As a young teenager, I was a bit puzzled by so many of these testimonies. Their content seemed to always consist of the same elements, when and where the person speaking had been saved, how good God had been to them, and always, always, I want to be ready to go to heaven when I die. On the night of my high school graduation, my pastor came to my house to encourage me not to go to college. Go figure. He said that I should stay in Glenwood, Arkansas. He talked about the dangers of education and what a terrible mistake it would be if I went away. We can hide in our own little worlds and pretend we are safe from all the big bad wolves out there. We can also hide in our religion, especially if we have figured out everything there is to know about it. I don't believe that what you and I learned about being Christian many years ago is enough today unless we are submitting to the leading of the Spirit and putting into practice where we know the Spirit is leading us each day of our lives. Do we believe the church as we have known it can change the world? The harvest is still plentiful, and we like to think that there are numerous workers out there. Well, another question, do we believe God can change the world, or even better, create a new world? <clears throat> 
God is already doing that. Pope Francis recently made this statement. We do not serve ideas. We serve people. We religious folks have spent entirely too much time creating our belief systems, our doctrines, our theologies, our decisions on who and what God is and how God operates in the world. That's why I believe that Jesus would say to us the same thing he told his disciples. The workers are few. We should devote our energies to loving God and loving our neighbor. Let all the secondary stuff fall where it may. Maybe we need to understand again for the first time what the original call of Abraham was. His call was made with a background of divided mankind. God stated God's purpose. Man in his brokenness can be blessed. Abraham broke his ties of land and family. He became a man of faith. I've always wondered how many others God had called up to that point, but they refused to accept the call. The call of God has always been raining down on the human race. God has a plan by which God's purpose can be accomplished. You shall be a blessing. God was not calling Abraham to accept something or to have a gift. He was calling him to a mission, a task in the world. God wanted Abraham to join God in the task of bringing man back from his brokenness. And if Abraham would do this, God promised him all of God's blessings. The covenant God made with Abraham was repeated with Abraham's son. And you know the story as it unfolded through the generations. And God then chose a people, a kingdom of priests, a holy people, a unique people of God who would serve to bring man to God. They would serve as mediators between broken man and God. The people of Israel misunderstood their calling. They accepted what God had given, but failed to carry out the task before them. Through the prophets, God tried to tell the people that they had failed. God is looking for a people that are as serious as God is about the mission at hand. Jesus, in the book of Matthew, called a new Israel for the same purpose. And I believe the sin of Israel has been repeated over and over and over through the history of the Christian church. We do not adequately understand the nature of our call, although we are a good religious people. Too often, rather than being concerned with the hurt and the poor in the world, we just go to church and talk to each other. If Jesus came today to walk our streets, would he say the same thing he said to the Pharisees in the first century? In his daily meditation email, Richard Rohr, back in June, wrote this about St. Francis. I'm going to read excerpts, and I would encourage you to go home and look it up and read it in your own time in entirety. Rohr writes about Francis that Francis began with the specific, the particular, the concrete, this person, this squirrel. I believe love is always by its very nature 
particular. Just this. Rohr continues, when you start with the specific, you have a beautiful doorway to the universal. On the other hand, when you start with universal theories, it makes it very hard to ever get back to respect for the particular. In fact, you tend to find a reason to see that the particular is just never good enough. It is always flawed and imperfect. There is inevitably a reason why this particular person or thing cannot be included because it is seen to be abnormal, poor, broken, leprous, sinful, or unorthodox. And Rohr says, look at our Christian history. It seems to have been a nonstop search for who is unworthy and who does not belong. He concludes with the statement, what a horrible waste of energy. When Jesus sent out the 70, he told them to begin with the specific. Go to a house, one house, eat and drink with the inhabitants, regardless of what they put on the table, and develop a relationship by doing that. Where is the kingdom of God today? It's in the relationships that you and I experience. It is doing missions the intended way, by loving every individual we encounter. It's not a church program. It's a way of life. It's not looking for sameness by only being with people that are just like us. It's the search for oneness that can come with the Spirit when the Spirit is in our midst. And we know we can't do this without the Spirit of God. And we know we do it best in community where we support each other. That's why we are encouraged to tell our stories to each other. And we listen to those stories we encounter everywhere we go and find that their stories may be something we needed to hear. Today in All Saints Day, we do remember how the, the, those persons who stand out in our lives, who influenced us probably through long, meaningful relationships. We treasure those memories, and they are part of the very fabric of our being. But I believe there's also persons who touched our lives only for a very short period of time, who may not have been that involved in our lives, but for some reason we can't forget them. They influenced us in some mysterious, peculiar way that we don't understand. I can't take the time right now to tell you the entire story of Enrique Morales, one of our original worship meal guests who died just over three years ago. How there was a concerted effort to get his mother here from Mexico before he died. How at his memorial service, a friend of his and ours, who had been drinking substantially that day, made his way to the microphone and spoke so eloquently about his friend. Enrique's framed picture sits on my desk. And I don't completely know why. But I do know that when I glance at it, I'm reminded of the love of God expressed through relationships. I don't remember Enrique and I ever speaking of God or Jesus. We may have. You might say, I hope you did somewhere. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit seemed to be in the midst of our relationship. Johnny Summy is one of our occasional worship meal guests. 
One day he got into an argument with someone at a nearby table. The incident escalated and I quickly moved to try to get Johnny out the door. I was convinced he was intoxicated and I needed to get him away from everyone else. I was doing something really good. As I finally was shutting the door behind him, Johnny turned to me and said, you could have just asked me nicely to leave. (laughs) Something about the way he responded stayed on my mind the rest of the evening. It was my habit in those days with Glenda working at the psych unit at the hospital, I would call around 11 p.m. So I called that night and I told her my story. And she agreed that Johnny probably was not intoxicated. Within days, I learned that Johnny had relatively severe mental illness. In the days following, I looked for Johnny every time I drove down 7th Avenue. I wanted to apologize to him for my behavior that Sunday. It was two to three weeks later, after the incident, that I saw Johnny walking down 7th Avenue. I pulled over and was in the process of running the window down when Johnny opened the door and immediately began to apologize to me for his behavior that Sunday. I don't understand it, but I know the Spirit of God puts us on mission in our community to bless and be blessed by everyone we come in contact with, even if we are not sure of how to do it. Is that a new concept of doing missions? Nope. It's what we are called to do. A week ago last Monday, I was transferring our Sunday worship meal leftovers to the Nazarene Church. There was a gentleman that's always been there on Monday Monday mornings, but has never participated in our Sunday meal. We've often had casual conversation because he assists me usually with unloading the car. But I don't even remember his name. And two weeks later today, I don't remember his name today. As I was headed back to my car, He yelled, hey, how's that grandson doing? That stopped me in my tracks. I didn't know how to respond. I don't even know if I responded to him or not. On the way home, I realized I had just experienced a blessing. Several weeks ago, some of the meal volunteer servers were having some difficulty with Rita. You have to know Rita. I suggested I talk with her, so I sat down at the table with her. She was not in a very good frame of mind. She was tearing her sandwich apart, separating every ingredient from the other, all over the table, partly on her plate. I said, Rita, is something wrong with the food? She replied, I just don't know why y'all keep asking me questions. I told her we just wanted to be sure that she received what she wanted to eat. She stopped with her head down slightly, probably waited five seconds or more, and said without looking up, Okay, I love you, now go away. (laughs) In some rather strange way for me, that was another blessing. Why should I not want that kind of blessing? You even enjoyed the story. God commands us to love unconditionally, just as God does, and to accept love 
unconditionally, just like God does. If you consider yourself a follower of the Christ, you are, by definition, a missionary. Sorry. If that causes you to need to redefine, rethink missions, that is a good thing. And you do not have to search for a place to practice your calling. It will find you. Our calling is to love one another, listen to one another, and that means everyone we meet. And let the Spirit of God be the glue that brings and holds us all all of that together. I simply want to trust the Spirit and the slow work of God. I trust that in some way through these five years that the thousands of dollars worth of food from the fresh market and the hundreds of gallons of soup that you and folks from other congregations have made will serve as a lubricant for the Holy Spirit. I don't need to be sure someone gets saved. That's not my job. In our community, we will encounter few people who have not been told about what it means to be a Christian. And a side note that's sort of vintage Philip, in too many cases, that's why they're not involved in a faith community now. I do not want to let any opportunity go by. I believe a relationship in the eyes of God can be seconds, it can be two minutes, it can be ten minutes, or it can be 50 plus years. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And I believe he means every day and everywhere. So the way I see it, you and I have three choices in our practicing of local missions. And the good news is we can actually do all three. You figure it out. First, we can choose the good by praying for learning more about and giving money to persons who are developing relationships and seeking to join in God's kingdom at work. We can choose the better by finding organizations in the community where we can volunteer. Maybe even those that Providence is involved in. That gives us at least periodic contact with people outside our own little worlds. Or we can choose the best. By going out of our normal way to bless everyone we meet. From a smile and a greeting on a crowded street, at the grocery store checkout line, to an impromptu five or ten minute conversation with someone, or a relationship that might go on for five years and more without us seeing any results at least the way we tend to measure. That's where the kingdom of God is. That's where God is present and at work reconciling mankind to God. That's where love is left out every day. And ultimately, that is all that really matters. We have no other choices if we we have accepted the call to follow Jesus. There's the Spirit of God in everyone we encounter, and there is something everyone we encounter has to offer us. 
If only we have eyes to see and ears to hear. Jesus can say to us what he said to the disciples when he sent them out. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. Amen.